0: No. Awesome. Well, I'm just gonna let Michelle take it
1: over. Okay. Can we do this real quick? Actually, would you like to do it? You hold it, and then you Mm. bring this up, and then bring it back down.
0: Hi, boys. Hi. Hi, Zachary.
1: Hi. How are you? Good.
0: Zachary, what does family mean to you?
1: That you're all together, kindness, loving people.
0: Loving people. Yeah. What else? Around you. Family is about supporting each other
1: through the thick and thin. Family means you're not apart from yourself. Family is, is agape love, unconditional love that knows no bounds, and it's it's evidence of God's love for His family and His church. What does family mean to you, Austin? Um, it
0: feels like home. Family H- Hanging out with each other. Hanging out with each other. I love that. I guess here at North Shore, we've got a lot of that uh, kind of family, too, through the young adults ministry, and then even through student, student ministry. Ministries. Like, a lot of the times we get together with people outside of church and we're able to just do life together. Family
1: goes a little bit beyond your wife, your children alone, but the people of God, the church, where you belong. Because that's the larger family where you belong, you know?
0: I haven't had much of a family most of my life. My wife's family has been pretty much it. They've really taken care of me just as if I was their own son and I really appreciate that. Ms. Michelle, what does family mean to you? You know what, Olatunde? I'm so glad that you asked me. It's love, it's respect, it's being there for one another, and it's just being in the moment with them. Good job! High five, girls. I'm
1: Zachary, high five. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thanks, guys.
1: That was so good. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. Say bye bye. Love that. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Tyler. This is Tommy. We have the same shirt. I hope at some point this morning uh, you can get it. over that and we'll be okay. Uh, we are a couple of the people representing student ministry this morning, and as we continue uh, this adventure called Family Month, uh, that to us spoke of uh, more fun with more friends. So for our intro this morning, we wanted to uh, share some of our friends with you and do a couple things together. So uh, can I have all you guys come up? We got the, the Ryshroms and, and then we got these jokers over here. And um, as, we, as we continue unpacking what Ohana means, is that game show music? Yeah, it's
0: our game show music.
1: I don't know if uh, it'll pick it up. It's not going to work. Um, <laughs> Perfect. We are, let's see, you guys grab this mic. Let's and see. I yeah. Pat, got let's the see. Other Pastor
0: one. Pat, Pastor Rick, you head over there. That's your mic.
1: We're uh, the going at Ohana and what that means. And so this uh, passage for us this morning as we unpack Ohana is going to take us to the story of Joseph. In the Bible. Um, The one, the first one in Genesis. So we're going to do a little trivia that Tommy's going to lead us through about Joseph, and go ahead and take it away.
0: Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate your introduction. Uh, As he said, I am Tommy, and uh, we are going to have a little fun here. So first, can we please give it up for the Rystroms? The Rystroms! And can we give it up for Pastor Pat and Pastor Rick? Yeah. The Lizard Marino. Uh, all right. It's time to play You Don't Know Joe. It's just a coincidence that there's a Joe on stage. That's, that's purely yeah, we, coincidental. We
1: did that deliberately. Uh, did now, they get a point for that?
0: <laughs> what? Do they get a point for that? As that's a disadvantage. Yeah, they start with well, they a one-point yes, That's correct. Uh, it's only fair. You guys have you know biblical training. I don't know. So we'll, uh, uh, how this will work is I will ask a couple of trivia questions, however I feel like, and I will award points, however I feel like. So uh, without further ado, let's do one, um, let's do two quick warm-up ones. So this will be for uh, Andrea and Bella, uh, just a nice little warm-up, Ah-ham. in the story of Joseph, what gift did Joseph's father give him which made his brothers jealous? A coat of many colors, correct. All right. Way to go. 12.7 points for you guys. All right. Respect. Uh, I've got another little warm-up here. This is for Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick, Mm. what country did Joseph eventually become the ruler of? Hmm. I will say, does it start with an E? It does. Egypt. Egypt. Egypt is correct, well done, yes. What is Egypt? Second only to Pharaoh himself. All right, Joe, next question is for you. Uh, Oh, sorry, you guys get three points for that, well done. Um, Joe, according to Genesis 36, who was the leader of Edom after Jobab, son of Zerah from Basra? Joseph. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. So that close. That is not right. Yeah, so close. It that was uh, Husham from the land of the Temanites. Wait, Husham from okay. the land of Temanites? <laughs> <laughs> for effort, I'll give you uh, 12 points. less than, uh, you get negative 0.5 points for that. So better than it could have been. So well done. So I believe the points are 13.2 to 3 right now. So, um, all right, uh, Pastor Pat, this yes. one's for you. According to Pharaoh's second dream, the seven heads of grain were blighted, shriveled, and what by the east wind? Mm, Blighted. That's a good word. (laughs) Hey, Isn't it good? Blighted, shriveled, and
1: withering.
0: Oh my gosh. What what
1: is withering?
0: You were so close. It was withered. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I don't believe that. 12 um, points. Wow. I'm getting some feedback that you deserve some points for that. So hey, we're going to give 10? you... 10? Four points. <laughs> well done. Well done. Okay. Don't worry. All right. We're at the final question. Uh, Rick is going to need the microphone and Andrea, you're going to need the microphone. This is the speed round. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> One question speed round. Whoever answers correctly first wins... Quick math, 7.2 points, okay? All right, and they they would take the game. Okay, Andrea, Pastor Rick, here we go. Where did Joseph end up after he was falsely accused of wrongdoing in Potiphar's house? What is jail? Andrea, Andrea, I'm here, Andrea! (laughs) Wow, well done. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Well, first, give give both of our uh, teams a hand. Well done. Uh, our winners go home with a brand new uh, Rubik's Cube. Uh, technically, a Guanlong Cube, according to the box. So congratulations. Thank you so much for playing. Thanks, Have a guys. seat. Thank you for catching us up on Joseph. Perfect. Wow. All right. Wow pastor pat with the clutch withering
1: no one was supposed to get that
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm changing that for next service
1: uh so obviously we are we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about joseph who kind of is the end of a really big story the beginning of another story so we wanted to really quick just catch up on how we get here uh so if you have bibles in a little bit of time we will end up in Genesis 43, 44, 45. We're gonna do a summary of what happened kind of up till that point, how we got to Joseph.
0: Yes, and let's start right real early, okay? So in the Bible, God chose Abraham to build a family through him and become a special chosen nation. Then Abraham had a son named Isaac, who eventually had a son named Jacob, and then Jacob had way too many sons, uh, 11 uh, or 12 altogether, and one of whom was Joseph.
1: And Joseph was his dad's favorite son, which became a problem when he got special gifts and got a big head and started talking down to his brothers.
0: Yes, and then his brothers got really mad at him, and they decided to throw him into a well, a real well, and uh, that was too bad. But one of his brothers had pity on him and came back and pulled him out of the well and sold him to slave traders, which was kind of better.
1: Uh, who ended up taking Joseph to Egypt where he worked as a servant for a man named Potiphar. And the Bible actually says that the Lord was with uh, Joseph and gave him success. Potiphar liked Joseph a lot.
0: Yes, but Potiphar's wife was bad. And so uh, Joseph was accused of doing something that he didn't actually do. And unfortunately, he got put in jail.
1: And so our hero is in jail, but turns out he has this gift from God to be able to interpret dreams, and he is interpreting some dreams of people in jail, all the while working hard, and the Bible says again that the Lord showed him kindness and gave him success.
0: And then eventually, Pharaoh himself had a very troubling dream, and no one but Joseph could interpret it, and so... Uh, uh, they got Joseph out of jail to interpret his dream and it turned out that the dream meant that there was a severe famine coming and this was going to be a big problem because it was going to go on for seven years. Mm.
1: Uh, so it took a while, but eventually Joseph got out of prison and Pharaoh was told of his ability to interpret dreams correctly and, and Joseph was put in charge of all the food preparation over the land of Egypt to prepare for this famine.
0: Yes, and eventually, everybody starts running out of food who's not in Egypt, and so they start coming to Egypt for food. And so Joseph's brothers themselves are sent to Egypt by their father, and there's a little bit of a reunion we uh, are going to eventually come to, but first, turns out, they see Joseph as the guy in charge of the food. And so this is where we pick up our story today.
1: Yeah, so it turns out after all that, that God's chosen family, this, this uh, group now of a lot of brothers and sons, this growing family, is without food in their homeland and they're in Egypt looking to buy food. And so these brothers are there and it turns out the person who holds their fate in his hands is the very brother that they sold as a slave years and years ago. And so it's this crazy, you know, coincidence, but we know better than that, where, where this, this thing has happened, this collision course um, has brought Joseph's brothers to him. And so what we'll see here in this story is the way that Joseph, how he handles this, this crazy situation. The brothers that treated him so wrong, you could say that he has uh, the ability or even the right to get some sibling revenge. But what he does is different. All right. Am I following you? (laughs) Okay. Find the light. Okay. Um, Okay. Genesis 43, verse 33 uh, begins this part of the story where Joseph actually gathers his family and, and he serves them dinner. So think about this. This was, the, this was the first interaction in who knows how long. These were people that, however bad you've been treated by your siblings, it's probably not this bad. He's been forced into slavery in another country. He's the second most powerful man anywhere in the area. And he has dinner with them. And Joseph told each of his brothers where to sit. And to their amazement, he seated them according to age from oldest to youngest. And Joseph filled their plates with food from his own table Uh, giving his brother Benjamin five times as much as he gave the others. And so they feasted and drank freely with him. And he begins this conversation where instead of sending them away, instead of rejection, instead of immediately throwing them in prison, any number of options, Joseph begins this crazy process um, with a conversation. And so I'd like to read kind of the bulk of, of where this unfolds from Genesis chapter 45. So, think through everything that they've been through. And verse 1 of Genesis 45 says Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So, he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly, the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. "'I am Joseph,' he said to his brothers. "'Is my father still alive?' But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. "'Please come closer,' he said to them. So they came closer. And he said again, "'I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place.'" It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. If you've noticed by now, instead of blaming his brothers for what happened four times, he's attributed God's hand on Joseph's life for bringing him to the position he now has. Uh, Verse 9, Now hurry back to my father and tell him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately." You can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you, your household, and all your animals will starve. Then Joseph added, Look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I really am Joseph. Go tell my father of my honored position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen and then bring my father here quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. This... this kind of dramatic, incredible, radical moment where he reveals himself to them, he cries with and over them, and he invites his family, if you caught that in this passage, he invites them to move down there with him. Don't stay out in, uh, in the lands outside of Egypt. Come come, live, come be near with me. Let me take care of you. This was a big move. This whole conversation The whole weekend was a big deal, and it shows us something about the character of God that is an example for us. As we were thinking uh, through this this week, Tommy and I were, were very strong in our conviction this week to share something that is important to us. It's in the Bible. It's true. And as we look at this kind of theme, this topic this morning, kindness is not niceness. They're not the same. And so this thing that is an important part of ohana, what it means to build a family, kind, being kind is not the same as being nice. Kindness is not niceness. Nice is, is shallow, and it's cheap, and it's easy, but kind is very deep. And this might be the biggest distinction, to be truly kind costs you something. So here's the way I see it from the the story we just unpacked. Um, To be nice would have just been for Joseph to allow his people to sell food to his brothers. Right? He didn't even have to be there. He's in charge. He could have said, fine, give them food so they don't die. And I'm going to go away because I don't want to see them. Right? Reasonable. A normal human emotion, response, things to process. That would have been nice. You know, uh, he he could have sent them a note, said, hey, I, I gave you food, you know, whatever. But instead, what Joseph did was kind. It was more, it was deeper, it was better, but it cost Joseph something. Not something he had to give up forever, not something he lost, but it cost him just in that awkwardness, in the pain, in the forgiveness, in the relational tension, all of that was uncomfortable and could have been easily avoided. And Joseph instead chose it, chose to go through and with that pain. He walked into it and I mean, we saw several different times in that chapter, the dude cried a bunch. It was obviously a difficult moment for him. I think this is true for how kindness continues to play itself out. This is true for us. Uh, If you've been around the academy at all, they've been having a theme through their chapel of the fruit of the spirit for a couple years now. It's this passage we know well. But what is in Galatians 6? The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Not niceness. It's different. And what the Holy Spirit produces in us as a true Christian virtue is kindness. Because, because nice has just become some way of, of polite, of greeting, of, of kind of shallow interaction. It's, it's a thing that we can give to people as long as we get it back. Right? In my experience, we are nice with one another until somebody breaks that first when someone's not nice, then it kind of lets me off the hook. I don't have to be nice back. Um, in our world, with students, we see it a ton online. When there's no, there's no kind of repercussions, you can be as unnice as you want uh, through chat and different things online. And it tends to go away, niceness tends to go away, as we are offended or irritated. But kindness comes into play whenever that offense whenever that irritation occurs. And so if you think through your interactions with your family, whether that's your biological family, your extended family, your church family, that is how we build it. Kindness is how we deal with those offenses.
0: And speaking of irritated and offended, I grew up with two brothers uh, does this sound familiar? This phrase right here, uh, "Be nice to your brother," or some form of that "Be nice to your sister." Uh, I heard that a lot. Uh, I heard that a lot and uh, and when you when you grow up with a couple brothers who are uh, within a few years of you and you have to spend a lot of time around them, um, it can be hard to uh, show. Any form of kindness or even niceness at times, uh, this is what uh, we looked like growing up. Uh, there are several pictures uh, here. I am in uh, most of them. Uh, that bottom middle one there 's myself, my sister, my little brother, and my older brother. Um, the bottom I want to bring your attention though to the bottom left that 's my little brother and there were several times where I had to be nice to him when I didn't want to be. And in one of those instances, oh gosh, it's hard to go back there. Um, Okay, who here loved Legos growing up? Okay, all right, so there was this one Lego series. It was a Western series and it was awesome. And I had spent Years collecting all the sets. Every birthday, every Christmas, I knew what I was going to ask for the next part of the set. There was a sheriff's office, there was a saloon, there was everything, but the piece de resistance was this one right here. This is Fort Legareto. This thing was unbelievable. And, and it was just awesome. It was a fort, and, and it completed my collection. I had a whole setup downstairs in the basement of the Western Legos. And one day, my little brother walks in, my mom's here, and I don't know if she remembers this, but uh, my little brother walks in when I'm not there in the basement. And I don't know what he was thinking, yes, he was super young, but still, I don't know what he was thinking, but he decided to play with my Legos, which meant I came down uh, a little while later to find half of everything just destroyed, and especially this one, the big fort. And I was so mad, I was so mad. I couldn't believe it. It took me so long to build it. I ended up being so mad. I didn't even rebuild most of it because it was so much work. And I wanted to say some things to my little brother. But I remember my mom said something to me. She said, Be nice to your brother. He didn't know what he was doing, he's young. And I realized what she meant was show kindness to your brother. But what I heard that day was, pretend to like your brother. And so for many years, unfortunately, that's kind of how I showed kindness, is I just pretended that I liked people. And I would pretend to be nice to my brother when really, I was still really mad about the Lego thing. And that's something that um, didn't help me as a person and it certainly didn't help the people around me because it wasn't real. It wasn't true kindness. I should have been willing to love my little brother even though he drove me crazy a lot. But this is not a young person problem. This isn't a kid problem. This is an us problem. This is a an every age problem because because. We have these offensive, we have these people who, who annoy us and irritate us in real life. Um, and we're, we're supposed to show kindness to them apparently, but why? Why should we show kindness to them? Why should we treat our brothers and sisters with kindness when we annoy them? Why should we treat our husband or our wife with kindness when they're not doing the same? Why should we treat our boss or our coworker with kindness when they are being unfair to us? You probably don't think I have a short answer for it, but I do. It's because that's the gospel. Because that's what we do here. That's what the people in God's family do. It's because, and because he did it first to us. And because kindness is not fair. You won't find fairness in kindness. You won't find fairness in the gospel. God has no obligation To do what he does for us. He has no obligation to love us. And yet he chooses to love us anyway. Even though we do ridiculous things sometimes. The gospel is about restoration. And that's what kindness does. That's why it's so important. It's because kindness restores relationships. It restores our mental health. It restores our hearts. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, tells us this. It says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Not fair. That's not fair for, to Jesus. That's not fair to God. But that's what happened. That's what he did for us. But here's the big part. He did that so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That like God loved us so much that he showed us this major kindness because he wanted to make things good he wanted to restore he wanted restoration so so how how do we make this happen in our own lives God gave Jesus his own son as this offering this kindness to us I mean isn't the least we could do to be kind to our brother isn't the least we could do be kind to our spouse and it's still I know it's not fair I mean, and it's never been like, okay, well, now that they're being nice to me, I'll be kind to them now. Like that's, that rarely works and you know it because you've probably tried it. I've heard story after story from husbands and wives saying that, well, once my husband starts being kinder to me, then I'll start being kinder to him. Once God changes them, then I will change. And that story doesn't have a happy ending. The story that has a happy ending is the gospel. The story that has a happy ending is, I will show this very unfair kindness. And however they respond is just how they respond. Even if they're not kind back to me. Even if they don't even accept my kindness. Whatever those relationships are in in our lives where we're not getting kindness... That's the place where we need to give kindness the most. And that's what we're called to do as believers. That's what we're called to do because of who God is and what he's done for us. And we've seen an amazing example of this. The greatest example is the gospel itself.
1: I love where this takes us. Um, Because it takes us to the idea that kindness changes lives. And that's different than than just something shallow. Kindness is so interesting and important in the Bible that it is compared to and tied to our own salvation. I'll read that Romans 2 verse 4 verse that's up there. Don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin?" Tommy's already set this up for us, but, but let's just lay it out. Here's the two things that I see in that. If, if kindness is such a thing that it can turn someone from their sin, if kindness changes lives, there are some, some truths about it. And I think both of those are seen clearly in what Jesus did for us. Um, as this gospel story unfolds, the first thing that Jesus did was he came near To brokenness. And Joseph modeled a little bit of that as well, where his brothers who had betrayed him, treated him poorly, right, to to be safe and free from pain would have been to stay away, but to show a kindness was to step into that. And Jesus modeled that as well when he came from heaven to earth to be around the pain and the brokenness and the messiness of human life. Jesus came near. And the second part was displayed on the cross as Jesus took on cost. Jesus went through something uncomfortable to demonstrate how sincere and authentic and powerful God's love is. Um, and as uh, the worship team uh, comes out, I, I-, I want to to just hold on to that thought as we see what Joseph did, as we see the ways this works out in our own lives, but, but most importantly, as we see the way that Jesus walked this out. Nice doesn't accomplish a radical life transformation, but in any family, right, biological or others, there are opportunities to stay away from the pain or to step into it, to Avoid some word or some act that will reconcile, that will change directions or an opportunity to step into that. And so with Jesus Christ as both our example and our motivation, just this morning we'd like to ask, would you join us in stepping into that radical calling of moving deeper into kindness? to take on cost in a way that builds family, that builds relationship, that apparently can turn someone from their sin as kindness changes lives. Let's pray together. God, we only know of this because you did it for us. You didn't leave us away from you. You didn't leave us as enemies of you. You did something about it. And you demonstrated this amazing element of who you are. And it cost you something. And so, uh, God, help us move from shallow interactions to ones that reflect your heart. Thank you for going first in that way. We lift all this up to you in your name we pray. Amen.